Welcome to the Rhythms Podcast. I'm Brian Wise, editor of the magazine, and this week in the podcast, I'm talking to Alex Winter. He is the director of the new documentary on Frank Zappa, simply titled Zappa. It's an in-depth look at the music and career of the legendary American musician. And as well as being a documentary maker, Alex Winter is also Bill in the Bill and Ted movie franchise, but I resisted the temptation to talk to him about that at all. So let's have an in-depth discussion with Alex Winter about Frank Zappa. Hi Alex, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I am good. Hey, uh, congratulations on the documentary. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. I have to tell you that I saw Frank Zappa and his band in Melbourne sometime in the early to mid-70s. The band included uh, Jean-Luc Ponty and George Duke. Uh, Ooh, that was a good one. That was an incredible experience. But one of the things I most remember about the performance, which came back to me strongly in the documentary, he kept stopping the band and making them start over again because he wasn't <laughs> oh, that's fantastic yeah that, that didn't change as the years went on that's for sure what led you to doing a documentary on him were you a big fan of his yeah i was a big fan and i grew up uh in an era that you know that was very zappa heavy you know i, I grew up in the states and largely in the 70s and uh, he was a real cultural titan, you know, to us growing up. He was more than just a musician. He was a kind of a leader of, of you know, social, political, sexual culture as well. And he was hilarious and he was a great artist. So, he, you know, it was, it was someone who everybody's older brother had a giant Zappa poster in their room and you grew up with a, a keen awareness of who he was. Um, what made me want to make the doc was, was beyond that um, to the degree that, that I always found his life and the events of his life to be incredibly fascinating and, and him to be a really complicated and interesting person who lived at a very interesting period in our history. So the, those types of characters make good doc subjects. I guess the other sort of a strand of music in America at the time in terms of fanatics was the Grateful Dead, which was a far different sort of music. It's interesting that you chose Zappa because so many Americans were fans of the dead. That is true. You know, I think that there's a lot of differences. There are an enormous amount of differences between them, but obviously there are similarities in terms of their cultural impact, the era in which they came up, and the fact that a lot of the fans were, you know, uh, not all of the fans by any stretch, but a lot of the fans were kind of intellectual or plugged into some of the same things. St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast Where I stole the margarine And wheedled on the bingo cards And blew a latrine I saw a handsome parish lady Make her entrance like a queen Why she was totally chenille And her old man was a marine 
and she abused the sausage patty and said, why don't you treat me me? Gail Zappa to allow you to make the film, and Gail passed away in 2015, didn't you? So it's taken you a long time. She did. Complete. You must have been yeah for a long time. I was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, look, you you know Zappa, you know the world, um, and uh, it was not easy, and we didn't, we wanted to get it right, uh, and we wanted to tell a story and make a movie that was entertaining, but complex um and at kind of epic in its scope to encompass aspects of his life not to tell just a sort of linear bio story and certainly not to make an album to album music doc but to you know tell a kind of epic drama about an artist who lived in a particular period of time and zappa is a complicated fellow so it, it's something that we really wanted to just to, to take our time with and and to figure out you you had access to his archives and there's a glimpse of the archives in the documentary, which just incredible, this huge storeroom of tapes and I imagine videos and um, audio tapes and videos. So it must have been rather daunting going through those archives because your documentary is mainly based on those, isn't it? Yes. I, I, I mean, the reality is, like with any doc, we pulled from everywhere. Uh, the film isn't just material from the vault, but to have that kind of access to material that had never been seen or heard before that would give us a window into his into his life, his personal life and his worldview, uh, that was, you know, an incredible opportunity. So we spent a lot of time and a lot of money, frankly, uh, preserving a lot of that material, especially the film, the older film and older video, which was deteriorating. And uh, that gave us just a lot of a lot of stuff to play with. But the vault was was vast. I had heard of the vault. Um, it was somewhat mythical, but I didn't realize quite how how expansive it was and uh i'm not even sure the family really understood the depth of what was there because a lot of it wasn't marked so it was kind of a, a a journey of discovery for everybody how did you decide on the approach to the documentary i mean there w would have been a number of different ways you could go you could have probably managed to get a very high profile narrator had you wanted to i imagine but you didn't go that right Yes, I, I mean, I was really interested in, in telling as intimate a story as possible, especially given the fact that Zappa was so enigmatic. And uh, I did not want the film to feel like an outsider's point of view. I really wanted it to feel like we were experiencing as best as possible what Zappa's life, life was like from his from his own perspective, without cheating, without pretending it was a first person narrative, but uh, using as much material as we possibly could to convey his interiority, to convey his life um, and his worldview. And Mike Nichols, the editor, and I really felt strong 
strongly that the the vault material was giving us such a an intimate way in. We you know we found shelves and shelves of never before heard or seen interview uh, content with him. A lot of which was just him down in the basement uh, shooting the breeze with friends and associates and and being very honest and forthright about the things that were going on in his life. And we really liked that stuff. And so one of the first things we did with, with did was build a timeline of of a narrative comprised of all that material. And that was very helpful to us in, in guiding the approach. The other thing we wanted to do was kind of convey Zappa's style musically and 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 his film style. He was he was an avid filmmaker and and his editing style was really specific. So that was a guide for us as well. <laughs> incredibly purely think at one stage i counted um how many albums i think he had 210 albums officially released and he was one of the first musicians to go completely independent so in just in that regard he was a trailblazer wasn't he which you uh, capture in the in the film yeah he was he was uh, oftentimes people called him a workaholic um it, it wasn't a, a term i was interested in investigating too thoroughly in the film uh, because uh, though we do mention it, we don't shy away from it. He was someone who was incredibly committed to the life that he set out for all the way back in his teens. And to him, making art was of paramount importance and it's what he wanted to spend as much of his waking hours doing as humanly possible. So he made a lot of stuff and uh, he, he, his output was, was prolific, but it also had a really high caliber of quality because he was such a perfectionist. Now, I don't think there are too many popular artists from that era that 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 had a life like that. I think Prince is somewhat similar, and I think there's a few others in other mediums that are similar, but he was pretty unique in, in his world. Speaking of Prince, at one stage during an interview uh, with Frank uh, talking about censorship, an interviewer asks him why he is going before these hearings about censorship to defend people like Prince. And uh, he, he sort of says, well, some people don't want to talk about it. But that was a really important role as well. And he went and defended other musicians. He did. There, were, there was, you know, a, a great threat to... Uh, recording artists at that time that was coming from from this group and Zappa I think expected to roll into Congress with hundreds of other artists and found no one there but himself and John Denver and Dee Snyder for the most part um, and that was it and essentially the three of them went to battle with all of these adversaries and succeeded and they th- I would argue they succeeded largely because of Zappa's testimony, which was incredibly eloquent um, and persuasive. Um, at one stage, he suggested, ironically, and I don't think the people at the hearing sort of understood the full import of this, that the lyrics should be printed in full on the covers of the albums, which 
would have probably been <laughs> even worse. I know, I know. He was trying to, you know, they really felt a boot on on their neck. You know, they were concerned that that there were there were, the art itself was going to be censored and that they wouldn't be able to actually put out their their work. So he was looking to try to create or show the willingness to create compromise. That's right. You heard right. The secret word for tonight is mud shark. And of course, with the mud shark secret word is the mud shark arpeggio. A marvelous little arpeggio. And now the mating call of the adult male mud shark. The Mud Shark Dancing Lesson. Now this dance started up in Seattle. Let me tell you the story about the Mud Shark. Of course, you don't shy away from his less likable characteristics. I think at one in one interview you've called him. You said he was a bit of a misogynist at, at times, and certainly some of his uh, lyrics in those albums with the Mothers of Invention were sort of these days would be considered shocking. I suppose, wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, unless you listen to your average rap artist, but um, I think that yeah, I think that that Zappa was a man of the times from the standpoint that he was essentially there was an aspect of him. I mean, he was a multifaceted person that it was a very kind of patriarchal old school Italian dad, you know, but it was also the, the sexual revolution. And he was really, you know, uh, kind of ahead of the curve of even a lot of the artists around him. because He was a little bit older than, than a lot of the artists around him. And so he really, you know, he, he spearheaded the groupie movement. You, you could argue, you know, Pam DeBar, who, who, you know, came up in, in that group was also spearheaded that, that movement. And so, you know, I, I did not want to cast aside some of the, you know, more negative aspects of his personality and just blame them on the times. I, I think that's a bit of a cop out. I really did want to focus on what kind of person, you know, does that, you know, that ha- has a genuine interest in in his wife, who he was extremely close with, and they ran a business together, and they were, it was not just a bad marriage that they pretended existed. I mean, they really were very entwined, and he was very devoted to his kids, and yet, you know, he would take off on the road, and, and the rules were completely thrown out the window. I found that interesting, and I wanted to look at it. The other important thing about his career towards the end of his life was his involvement in politics, particularly with uh, Vaclav Havel and the Czech Republic, which is absolutely fascinating, which you also touch on. Um, can you talk briefly about that? Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I, I remembered it when it happened, um, and I thought it was very impressive and very interesting. What I did not realize until we got into uh, the archival media was was how devoted he was to to get to developing a greater understanding of, of world events. I found that incredibly impressive that uh, he wasn't just a kind of armchair uh, political um, pundit, you know, kind of spouting off on, on 
what was going on. He, he went to Moscow and he went, you know, into different places of the world to try to roll up his sleeves and see what he could do to help and also to understand what was going on globally. That was something that was a surprise to me uh, that, I, you know, I knew a lot about Zappa going on. I, I did not know that. And it was uh, very intriguing. How do you think he would have managed the past four years in American politics had he been alive? Um, I think that that it's impossible to know because he was, you know, a very much a man of his own his own values and his own mind. And um, I think that everybody, uh, you know, who is a fan likes to claim him, you know, whatever political persuasion they are. And I understand why. I mean, you know, he he's a really compelling political thinker. Uh, he was. But uh, the only thing I know about him that that is that seemed to be steadfast from his childhood all the way through until the end of his life was he was he was you know very, very anti-authoritarian, very pro-citizens rights, uh, very much a believer in voting rights, something that he was at the forefront of from the very beginning of his, his music career. He was always, as I'm sure you remember, you know, putting on his albums and, and, and trying to promote people to to provoke people to get out and vote and, and stand up for their own rights. Uh, so, you know, someone who was anti-fascist, anti-authoritarian, pro-citizens rights, I think would have quite a bit to say about where the world is <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's great that the documentary comes out at this time because he's you know a little bit forgotten in a way but he was an incredibly important musician not just because of the complexity of the music that he made and the diversity of the music and he briefly had a couple of hits i suppose how do you assess his importance in in those 70s and 80s i mean i'm just you know, I, I'm loath to to try to pass myself off as as an authority on on Zappa. So I would, and I know that's not what you're asking me to do, but I would just caveat it greatly that this is one one guy's opinion. But for me, I I really found Zappa. I mean, if you're talking specific to the '70s and '80s, because I I think he also really kind of erupted into himself in the '90s just before his death. But I think that he was was the 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 thing that clicked for me was Zappa. You know, I was a kid in the 70s. I didn't totally get the music. I enjoyed it, but I, I wasn't a fanatic, right, for Zappa. And I didn't really get Zappa until uh, the 80s and then really probably even possibly the 90s. Like, I think around, I enjoyed listening to it, but there was a sort of a, a convergence of the more rock-oriented stuff, the Synclavier stuff and the orchestral stuff that really opened a door for me. And once I understood, and again, this is personal, this isn't a, a, an edict, but for me, Zappa wasn't a rock and roll musician at all. And he really was a more of an avant-garde composer. And I, I realize now um, that that's why Gail let me make the movie when she didn't let other people make the movies. I didn't know Gail at all. I knew the kids a little 
and I didn't know what she did or didn't think about her husband at all. But the very first time I met her, I told her my thesis, which is that I didn't really get Zappa until I realized he wasn't a rock musician and he was really an avant-garde composer. She said, that's it. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and uh, I think she shared some degree of, of my perspective. And, and beyond that, she had much of her own perspective. But that was really what clicked for me was. And once I got once I perceived him that way, it opened up all the music. It opened up all of Zappa. So do you have a favorite piece of music or do you have a favorite Zappa album? Gosh, I really do like so much of it. I mean, I love Dog's Breath Variations. I love I love everything from, you know, from the whole span of his work. I, you know, I love Willie the Pimp. I love Hot Rats enormously. It's, it's, it's you know, that's probably, you know, someone put a gun to my head and said I could only, you know, it'd be a Desert Island disc for sure. Um, but I would be, I would be very disappointed and not be able to bring Yellow Shark along as well. Uh, but I really do love so much of it. I love Overnight Sensation and Apostrophe. I mean, it really, you you know why the fans talk about, about you know, the big note and this idea of it all being one composition, because it kind of was. But, you know, you could say the same for Stravinsky. You could, in a way, say the same for Coltrane. I think there are certain composers you feel like their work is, is a, like a giant piece of work. And I, I, that's why it's hard for me to break out Zappa's stuff in that way. I was an Eskimo Frozen wind began to blow Under my boots and around my toes Frost that bit the ground below degrees below zero and my mama cried and my mama cried from commercial. Strictly commercial. Had the unmitigated audacity to jump up from behind my igloo. And he started in the whipping on my favorite baby seal with a lead-filled snowshoe. I said, with a lead... Snowshoe. Snow he said peekaboo. Peek-a-boo. 
with a lead Leadville snowshoes. He said peekaboo. He went right upside the head of my favorite baby seal. He went whap with a Leadville snowshoe and hit him on the nose. In the documentary, there is some film of him in Australia. This, I think, there's a press conference there, an interview. Have you seen the film that he, uh, uh, the footage of him with Norman Gunston, the Australian comedian? I may have. I mean, honest to God, we I spent so many years on this and watched so much stuff. I, I, I can't I can't the tip of my brain recall, but I it sounds vaguely familiar. Uh, I think Norman did an interview with him and uh, take took out his harmonica and played it during the interview, much to Frank's astonishment. And then when he played right. in Sydney, Frank invited Norman on stage to play with the band. <laughs> That's great. I love that. <laughs> I'm uh, sitting here talking to Muso colleague uh, Frank Zappa, <laughs> legend in his own lifetime and leader of the rock religious group, the Mothers of Invention. Mrs. Zappa, how are you? Right on, brother. Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, funky. That's uh, not a schmuck. I actually have another string to mind. I don't know. Have you got a hey. harmonica player in the band? Have you got a harmonica player in the band? Not right now, no. You haven't? Oh, gee. Well, why? You know, I mean. I'm available at the moment. I don't know. I used to play electric. You, wait harmonica. a minute. Are you really available? I mean, when we come down there, will you jam with us at our concert? Oh, there'd be, you know, if I've got the time. I'm available here now, but when you come to Australia, who knows? I'm, I'm a pretty big mm. personality. You know, in Australia. Uh, but the only thing is, you might have to tone the music down a bit because I used to play electric harmonica, but it, uh, you know, gave my lips a lot of static. Pick up a lot of lint, and um, I've, so I stopped. I only play, you know, uh, acoustic harmonica. Now. You haven't got. A, have you got a singer in the band, or have all the boys taken the vow of silence? No. <laughs> There's quite a few singers in the band. Oh, it's a shame. There's seven. Seven singers. Yes. Hmm. Same. Are they, they're all good, are they? But you well, haven't got they're, they're all mediocre. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I think it's rock and roll. <laughs> well, you know, if you'd like to have a bit of a jam now. Uh, oh, you don't call it that over here. You call it jelly, don't you? Well, yeah. Name it. How about a blues? You want to play Do a you know blues? Liza with a Z? <laughs> you don't. Well, whatever you, whatever you think, you know. I'm playing in the key of... Um, how, about, how about folk rock? You're in what key? Folk rock. I love it. I what, love what, progressive music. What, what key is it? Peter, Paul and Mary. What key is that harmonica? It's in E. It's, e? In, it's an A harmonica, but I play... Yep. Yeah. Well, we're not no, exactly, we're not exactly in tune, tune, but you'll no. love this. Well, he's out of tune. You know. Yeah. I really okay. am. Take it away. Okay? Yep. Yeah. Now, uh, just a shuffle, maybe? Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. Oh, I count it in. I'll count oh. it in. Okay. Yeah, come on. Are you a member of the Mises Union? You know? Yeah. Just this one. But so I'll okay. join this time. Yep. Just so I can mm. play with you. you yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> oh, go on, yeah, go on. Yeah. <laughs>
Bob Dylan. No, that was a good bit. That bit, that last bit, that, that had a sort of ring to it, didn't it? Mm. Sounded very good. Sounded very good, Mrs. Zappa. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Zapp. It was uh, extremely interesting. Uh, he, the boy's got a promising career, and when he comes to Australia, <laughs> give him a break. Mr. Frank Zappa, uh, Mother Superior of the Mother's Engine. Thanks, Norman. Congratulations on the documentary. A lot of music documentaries t- tend to be promotional clips, don't they, for the artists and a bit of a sort of a fan experience. But I think this is going to bring Frank Zappa's music to a lot more pe- people and give a g- much greater appreciation of his uh, career and his contribution. So thank you very much for that. And thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, thanks so much for the chat. And uh, yeah, it's great that you that you got to see him and got to see him in such a, in such a special era too. Well, that's really yeah, lucky. I think I love the apostrophe and overnight sensation albums because I saw him perform some of the songs from them in concert. And sort of yeah, I think. I mean, I think that they're both they're both perfect records too. I mean, I think arguably apostrophe is probably the most perfect record he made, and certainly the greatest band he ever had. So, uh, yeah, you're lucky. Thanks very much, Alex. Great, thank, thank you. Thanks for that. on regalia from frank zappa and we were talking all things zappa with alex winter director of the zappa documentary i hope you enjoyed our chat and also the music that we heard well we also heard norman gunston in there from the norman gunston show interviewing frank zappa and playing along with him and of course during that uh, tour that zappa subsequently did to australia he invited norman up on stage at the horden pavilion to play with him don't eat the yellow snow and then nuke rubs it in from apostrophe Trouble Every Day from the Freak Out album of 1966. Why Does It Hurt When I Pee from Joe's Garage. The Mud Shark, the infamous Mud Shark from the Fillmore East album of 1971. I'm the Slime from Overnight Sensation, 1973. St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast, also from Apostrophe. And we started off with an excerpt from Peaches on Regalia. If you want to check out Rhythms Magazine, you can do so at rhythms.com.au. And our March-April issue is just about to be mailed out. It features a huge preview on the forthcoming Blues Fest. We've got the backsliders on the cover. That's rhythms.com.au. I'll talk to you next week in another Rhythms podcast. (laughs) 